Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Good afternoon. This is Dan Katowski sitting in for the illustrious and fantastic Patty Vasquez today. I'm driving home with Patty Vasquez and Radio 820 AM WCBT. If you want to call in at some point, dial 773-763-WCBT. That's 773-763-9278. Eight nine two seven eight. Hey, lady, be ready to get into it right away. We have a great guest on us uh, first and foremost, um, and I'm going to read a little bit of her bio. But she is the deputy majority leader of the Illinois State Senate, Laura Murphy. Senator Murphy was born into a middle class family in Park Ridge. State Senator Murphy. She graduated from Illinois State University with a bachelor's degree in political science. She's with the last twenty years as an active member of the Plains community, including eight years as an alderman for the city's third ward. She's over two decades of experience in healthcare and social service management. She's a member of the she's a member she's as a member of the Illinois Liquor Control Commission. She worked to educate youth on alcohol and tobacco prevention. She was appointed to Illinois State Senate in 2015 to represent the 28th Senate District. This district includes O'Hare International Airport, all the parts of Arlington Heights, Displains, Elk Grove, Village, Hanover Park, Hoffman Sage, Mount Prospect, Park Ridge, Rolling Meadows, Roselle, and Schaumburg. In 2020, she was appointed Deputy Majority Leader of the Senate. Senator Murphy also serves as Chair of the Committee on Executive Appointments, as Vice Chair of the Committee on Local Government, and as a member of the Committee on Assignments, Commerce, Environment, and Conservation, Executive Financial Institutions, Higher Education, and Labor. Oof, she's a very busy person, huh? Her working-class background and previous professional experience inform her views on government as an entity that should work toward the betterment of the people and reinforce her belief in the importance of education, public safety, and fighting corruption and waste in state government. It's great to have you on the show. Senator Murphy, how are you? Well, thank you, Dan. <laughs> I'm thrilled to be here with you. Yeah, it's great to have you. to see it's nice to have you on the show. I'm excited to spend a few minutes with you. Yeah, absolutely. I'll talk over you again, I promise. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry, I won't do it over you. But it's great to have you on the show. You know, I... Um one of the things I, I love about uh, Senator Murphy and following her and all of her work is, is her commitment to advocating for people who are working hard, uh, people who are trying their best to uh, make sure that they have uh, every chance to be able to thrive uh, in their communities and uh, and making sure that uh, they can have the type of life they deserve to have because, you know, this is what it's all about. And so Senator Murphy's been in her role since 2015, and now she's, boy, for seven years and is a deputy majority leader. So, Senator, tell me, so what are some of the things that you're, you're uh, in, the, in the span of time that you've been working that, that you really feel good about the progress that's been able to be been made in your role? Well, thanks, Dan. First off, I'm so incredibly honored to have been appointed in 2015 and then received the help of my community to run in 16 and 20. And now, um, again, I'm up for election in 22. And during that time, I really put an emphasis on trying to provide solutions to constituents' problems. When people come to us, they want a government that makes common sense solutions to solve their problems. And I'm hopeful that every time we help a constituent, 
we solve a problem, we help them understand that government really can work for them, that their government is responsive and receptive, and will be able to solve problems. And, and often those problems don't cost any money. Um, as an example, um, I, I had a young man out of Elk Grove. Um, who lived in the unincorporated areas. And in Cook County, we have some areas that aren't annexed by any community. So they're just under the direction of Cook County government. And they're not often eligible for a lot of the services that um, municipalities have to offer. One of those most important things is the community library. And the expectation is that people that live in unincorporated areas would pay a fee to join the library. Well, when you're struggling to make ends meet and you're living paycheck to paycheck, it's hard to set aside an additional $250 to join the library, even though you know you love for your kids to be participating in the programming there and using it for research, they weren't permitted to. So with this young man out of Elk Grove, who, by the way, now got a full ride to Yale. Wow, that's impressive. Isn't it great? Yeah. Uh, so he he brought it to my attention, and then we were able to make it a permissive opportunity so that libraries could say, hey, you can um, come and utilize these services even though you don't have a card. So any kid in the unincorporated area, we call it the Cards for Kids program, um, is eligible to use that. Now, my goal is that we're eventually going to get the Secretary of State. They often provide a lot of grants because they're over the library services that they'll pre- pre- set aside a little money so that community libraries aren't doing fundraising. That's currently how they're paying for these kids to use it. But um, Daniel Salgado Alvarez, I have to throw in his name, hmm. is the young man that brought it to my attention. Oh, that's great. Teachers worked with them at Elk Grove High School. So we were able to engage the community and say, hey, here's how we can solve a problem. Do you have any idea how many unincorporated areas of the of the state could benefit from a program like this? Oh, there are thousands and thousands of people because we alone in, you know, I represent those communities you mentioned, but I have over 40,000 people in the O'Hare Northwest suburb area that live in unincorporated areas. Wow. Majority of them come by um, in Maine Township. But, yeah, there's communities all over the state that benefit from this. Yeah, and most people, Senator, don't realize that the Secretary of State oversees uh, the library system. They would just associate the Secretary of State with driver's license. And uh, just, I think, just educating people about the fact that, you know, if in order to see some change here, we could work with the Secretary of State's office in order to provide some dollars or some grants to make sure people get a better access to uh, books and a, and a quality education. Yeah, because what's the worst thing that happens? You know, we all we say when kids read, they succeed. Mm-hmm. And we want the next generation to be as successful as possible. Right, right. So um, that, what were you going to say? I just it's been a win win for everybody in the community. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it for sure. So what are what are what have been some of your uh, other uh, accomplishments that you you feel like were headed in the right direction from uh, from a uh, from a public sector standpoint? Well, you know, I I really believe that leadership matters. And when I first came into the Senate, we were not in a good place in Illinois. You know, we didn't have a budget for 736 days. 
We did not fund any of our social services, any safety nets that people, you know, needed to survive in their lives. We didn't fund higher education. All of these things that would make a state successful weren't being funded because we had no budget. And we had an election then, and we have new leadership that's decided that's not the path that we want Illinois to take. And since that time, I'm happy to report that Illinois has had balanced budgets. Mm. We have provided an additional $500 million to funding education alone. Um, and, and I'm sure we'll have an opportunity to talk about why that's so important. We've created a rainy day fund. We're paying our bills on time. We weren't paying our bills. And as a result, we incurred an additional a billion dollars in debt simply from interest payment requirements for not paying our bills on time. And the thing is, the money was there that just wasn't being allocated. We didn't fund any of our colleges and universities. And we always thought this is the most um, counterproductive program that we could do by not funding colleges and universities because we make that investment in K through 12 kids and we were watching it go out of the door, go to states all around us because they could get tuition at, you know, a thousand, two thousand dollars less. But that all adds up when you're a parent paying that tuition. Our schools had no choice but to increase tuition costs. Right, right. With the funding of it, right? I mean, it was just kind of an insane plan, frankly. So now that we're funding our colleges and universities, we have seen record enrollment. We have world-class universities, too, in this state where we educate people, and that's what an employer looks for. And so if you can keep those kids in the state, they get jobs in the state, and employers come to the state because of an educated workforce. We're seeing now there's a report that just came out a couple weeks ago that Even though we went through a pandemic, and we can't take light of the fact that, like the rest of the world, um, we had to, you know, take a step back for almost two and a half years and um, deal with the health crisis that we were experiencing. But we now have a plus 20 percent number of students that are staying in Illinois colleges. Mm greater than any of our surrounding states. So in four years, we were able to turn that whole thing around. Yeah, that's so great to hear because I, one of the things I can see is that, and uh, you know, I, I live in the community that uh, you represent, and so many more students uh, from those schools are going to state schools, and they're not leaving the state of Illinois. They're they're staying here. They're going to ISU. They're going to SAU, NIU, um, Western. They are going to these schools, and they're just they're making the decision to stay here because, quite frankly, the investment from the state has led to. You know, a reduction in the amount of cost uh, that people are putting into because it, it's significantly more costly to go in some cases, some other states. So I'm grateful for your leadership um, on that front and, and seeing the importance of that. And, and fam- families recognize that. So on the higher education front, what else do you see that that can be done uh, from you know a government standpoint to help provide relief for uh, working families? Well, in this last budget, we increased um, 100% our MAP funding, monetary assistance program that go to students that um, need just a little extra help. So we were able to increase that by millions of dollars um, so that we, that again, helps kids, Illinois kids, 
stay in school. And it also provides an opportunity for kids that thought they could never afford to go to school have an opportunity to know that, listen, there's going to be a path. We're going to help you. I also am excited about a bill that I have that provides middle-class tax credits. If you keep your kid in an Illinois school, then um, you'd be eligible for a tax credit for incomes that are um, – you know, one hundred and twenty-five to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, because that pocket often gets left out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you know, if you have multiple kids, you, you know, your income level is, you know, is there's not that much disposable income left when you're paying the cost of higher education. So we want to target those um, uh, taxpayers as well, who are the middle class, the brunt of um, their, the shoulders of the taxpayers in the state and throughout the country. And so we want to make sure that they, too, know that there's opportunities. We've set up programs that I think are really exciting where we've had um, we have huge holes in um opportunities for people to go into like social services into teaching where we see a lot of shortages disabled workers programs so we've set up training type apprenticeship programs if you go into some of those categories school psychologists is another example we will and then you work in illinois we will um, refund the cost of your tuition so we are setting up programming to encourage kids stay in Illinois, fill the holes that we need in our employment sector, and um, then everybody wins in that situation. We set up a path for you to go into jobs. We've made huge investments in apprenticeship training where we've had voids in the um, employment structure and where we need to fill it with employees. Yeah, I, I, I love that. Yeah, I love to stay, stay in Illinois, help fill the unemployment gap, and, and everybody wins. That's something that, um, that should be a, a tagline that uh, everybody should hear because, again, these, this conversation that we have, and sadly, the administration that was prior to the current one, prior to Governor Pritzker taking over, was not committed to supporting higher education and not supporting um, people working. Value. And, and the legislator was, it was very difficult uh, in order to get the measures passed to do what you're doing. So um, much appreciation to you and your leadership on that front, I, uh, Senator Murphy. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a little break, and we're going to come back in a second. And uh, we're uh, on WCPT with uh, Senator Laura Murphy, Deputy Majority Leader of the Illinois Senate. Hey, Chicago, I'm Rick Smith, host of The Rick Smith Show. And I want to hear from you every weeknight from 8 to 10 p.m. right here on WCPT AM 820. Call in and be heard as we focus on the issues most important to working America. The Rick Smith Show, where working people come to talk. Weeknights, 8 to 10 p.m. right here on WCPT AM 820, home of Chicago's progressive talk. Chicago's Progressive Talk, WCPT 820, where facts matter. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Dan Katowski here again, uh, sitting in for... 
Patty Vasquez, uh, driving home with Patty Vasquez. Uh, uh, she'll be back, uh, but uh, to give me the opportunity to host today. Excited to be here. That, that, just a the quick reminder that this uh, show, Driving Home with Patty Vasquez, is is sponsored by the Monaco Brewing Company. That's right, the Monaco Brewing Company. And I want to come back here with uh, Senator Laura Murphy, um, who is the Deputy Majority Leader of the Illinois State Senate. Senator Murphy, you've provided us with a lot of information, great information about what you've been doing uh, to try and uh, make sure that um, you know kids have access to the libraries, especially people living in unincorporated areas and the impediments that exist there. And then what you're doing um, as a leader to help the state better invest uh, in higher education to make sure um, everybody gets a chance to uh, um, be able to be successful in life and get access to the type of learning opportunities that that some people, quite frankly, have not been eligible to get. So appreciate your leadership on that front. And one of the things I want to talk to you about is small businesses. What is this, what is the state of Illinois doing for small business and what should the state of Illinois be doing that they're not doing already? That it's not doing already. Oh, well, great. Well, th- thanks, Dan. We recognize that small businesses are the backbone of our society, you know, and who, they were the most hurt during the COVID pandemic. So we tried to provide any ARPA federal money that we got. We tried to set up programs so people were eligible not only for their PPP, but also that they could get some small business grants, not alone a grant to help them, um, you know, when we were shut down during COVID. But we realized that we, you know, we need to do more. But I'm happy to say that Illinois had more startups um, during the COVID pandemic than any other state, even during that pandemic. And it, as you mentioned, the brewing company that's uh, um, the host of the show today, um, craft brewers have been a significant um, entree into that arena. And then we're seeing people have, you know, great success in that arena, but all other small businesses. We've set up a program and we have some bills pending that will provide a grant to local chambers of commerce um, so that people could be up, um, eligible for a $5,000 grant to help them through, you know, day-to-day activities uh, that where they may not see their businesses coming back post-pandemic. We also have a bill that creates um, a Vacancy Fraud Act because often communities will see um, certain businesses that are getting a tax credit and the municipalities and the community knows like, well, that business has been vacant and there's an incentive almost for landlords to keep that vacant. So we're going to change some programming um, and processes there so that those businesses can um, not continue to enjoy a tax credit at the cost of all the rest of us. And I think really exciting is that we know that um, a large part of recidivism in our um, prison population when they return to society after they've paid their debt is that they can't find a job. So we have a program that, if successful in the next General Assembly, would provide an employer an incentive for hiring people that had a previous um, prison experience, um, but they've paid their debt. Um, and they'd be eligible for a tax credit for hiring people. So we have an, um, a, a pathway for people that um, have employers that have a need for an employee, an employee that can be trained, a tax credit, and then the, um, you know, the ex 
offender is able to become successful um, and really reintegrate into society. But also one other thing that we've done in Illinois, few people know this, but we, in addition, created more manufacturing jobs in the pandemic than any other state in the country. Mm. And we've done that by providing some incentives for businesses to locate. We have Rivian, the electric um, auto auto field that is really taking off. And the whole CJA, you know, we passed a climate, um, a climate bill that puts Illinois in the forefront of becoming, um, relieving our burden on coal and carbon products. And so we will be able, that already has created an additional 5% of the labor force increase in jobs. And, and it's only been in effect, you know, for like 10 months. So we're starting to see the new green economy that people are looking for, really doing, um, making the jobs available in Illinois. So we have the car plants and all that goes along with that, battery, things of those natures. And um, we also, sorry, my, um, uh, and then we um, provide an incentive for manufacturing chips. So our supply chain, you know, we ran into a problem when we couldn't get the chips from overseas. Mm-hmm. We're going to start mm-hmm. manufacturing those chips in Illinois. And, and I have to brag that my community of Elk Grove has the largest um, computer tech parks of any second largest in the United States. We're second to Virginia because Virginia has more land that they can build on. But we've just pulled in our first company from the Silicon Valley um, that because Illinois in the Midwest is becoming a tech hub because we have all of the conditions to make that environment really successful. We don't have the weather conditions that the coastal areas have, and we have a great supply of water to help um, those industries. So there's lots of fabulous things in store for Illinois on educating our children, providing jobs for them to go into, to stay into the state, for providing an economic opportunity for people to live and work and prosper in Illinois. Yeah, that's I'm really excited about the future. Yeah, and it sounds like it's not, it's like a lot is is being done. And and one of the things I I say to people, it's it's great that you know Democrats are like yourself so strong on social issues and human rights, but also uh, as people can hear to, today, you're exceedingly strong on. Uh, on economic issues and and making sure that uh, you know these these kitchen table concerns that people are talking about and how are they going to be able to have enough to be able to take care of their family to stay in their homes to be able to retire uh, to be able to take care of themselves and their family members and, and this is the kind of this is the kind of uh, the policy that uh, I think people love uh, to hear uh, their senators not just talk about but actually take action on so when you're at the door we have like a minute to go. Uh, and uh, before you uh, get off, and thanks so much for being on, uh, you know, Senator Murphy, she's on the ballot in the, the 28th district on November 8th. So if you live in any of those communities that we talked about before in the 28th district, please consider uh, supporting such an outstanding leader and public servant. Senator, what, what are you hearing at the door? What's the number one issue that people are talking about? Well, frankly, the number one issue is the rollback of women's reproductive health. And um, that that is, 
you know, certainly a blow to women everywhere that, um, you know, basic rights and freedoms we've enjoyed for the last 50 years has been overturned. And recognizing that um, while we have laws in place right now in Illinois, there's no guarantee. Mm. Um, we thought other things were guaranteed, but there isn't. So that, that frankly, has been the number one issue that we've heard at the doors. Um, and, and then after that, people get down to, um, you know, we're going to make sure that people feel safe in their homes. We're making some changes to be a more socially equitable and fair state um, because people demanded it. If we go post or pre-pandemic, you know, we, we knew that we needed to make some reforms and make sure that we are treating people equally and fairly and that hate has no place in the state of Illinois. So we've worked on those measures, but also being cognizant, every single person has a right to feel safe in their homes. Mm -hmm. And we have to work on this proliferation of guns that are out there. And we know it's not law-abiding citizens that are accessing illegal guns and shooting at people and robbing places and creating crimes. So we need common sense reforms in that area as well to make sure that people feel safe in their communities. And, and I just thank you so much, Dan, for this opportunity. I, I really enjoy the opportunity to um, further people's agendas and ideas and turn those into statutes and laws that work for the people of the, certainly the 28th district, but the state of Illinois as well. Well, thank you so much, uh, Senator Murphy. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Laura Murphy, uh, Deputy Majority Leader of the Illinois State Senate. Thank you so much and have a wonderful night and look forward to seeing you uh, in the community and, and all the great work that you continue to do for the state of Illinois. Thanks so much. Well, thank, thank you, Dan. And early voting starts today and continues until the 7th, and then Election Day, of course, is November 8th. All right. Get out there, everybody. Vote for good people like Senator Murphy and any other people down the ballot you'd consider supporting. Uh, thanks so much. We're going to go right to a commercial and uh, look forward to come talking to you when we come back. Thanks. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Weeknights from 5 to 6 p.m. on WCPT 820. Because facts matter. You're listening to WCPT 820. Hi, this is Kirk Bankstead from the Minocqua Brewing Company, and I sell choice hard seltzer, an all-natural grapefruit-flavored booze that you can enjoy for only 100 calories a can. A percentage of the proceeds of every can of choice hard seltzer you buy goes to reproductive rights organizations in the Chicagoland area. Enjoy a light, refreshing hard seltzer this summer and support reproductive freedom at the same time. Now available at Dino's Cardinal Liquors in Gurney, Illinois, and Sugar Beet Food Co-op in Oak Park, as well as in Chicago at Jarvis Square Tavern, Rogers Park, and Garfield's Beverage Express Wicker Park. Please drink responsibly. Hey, Dan Katowski back here. Lady B's got me all thrown off here. We're going to have to have an intervention. Hopefully there's a therapist nearby. Uh, great to be here from the uh, uh, city and for uh, the, the, the incredible Patty Vasquez, driving home with Patty Vasquez on WCBT 820 AM. I tell you, I'm, Laura Murphy, Senator Laura Murphy, it was great to have her. Uh, she did a fantastic job. And, and I'm equally as excited in, about our next guest. Um, he's just an outstanding um, human being. And... Uh, 
Uh, I've known him for some time now. Uh, his name is Craig Carlson. He's the business manager for the Stagehands, local too. And uh, you know, and some of you may not be familiar with all this uh, extraordinary work or understand like what happens behind the scenes in the city of Chicago. We have this really robust and vibrant entertainment industry, and there are people who are behind and, and they make it happen. And they are just a vibrant part of our economy. And there are people who uh, work extremely hard to make sure that uh, there are those of us or any of you who go to an incredible show, you may just see the people on stage and be like, oh, my God, that person's outstanding. And they're they did such a great voice. But everything that goes into making it happen, the Stagehand Union is all about it. So, Craig, welcome to the being on the show here today. It's great to have you on. Uh, thank you very much, Dan. I appreciate the invite. And you're exactly right. You know, when we're doing our job well, it's the audience, they'll enjoy a spectacular performance. They won't even realize what we do or that we're even there. And, you know, at the United Center, for instance, there might be uh, just, you know, 30 trucks, 53-foot semis back up in the morning. And, you know, we we bring all of the, the gear, set it all up. We have folks up 133 feet rigging to the structural steel. We have a crew on the ground that's assembling the stage, assembling the audio, assembling the lighting package. They fly everything up. They build a stage. If it's a portable stage, typically uh, a big band will have a portable stage. They tour uh, with them uh, from city to city. And, uh, and we get everything set up, and then we operate the show at the end of the show. Uh, we take everything down, disassemble everything, load it back into the trucks, and it goes off to the next city. So we're talking about, you know, Craig, everything. It's plays, musicals, concerts, conferences. I mean, this is all, all that, that that's, that's happening. You're, you're, um, when, the, when it comes to the stagehands, I mean, it just there's, I mean, some people may realize, like, there's how many, how many shows do you have going on in any given day, and how many people are working uh, for the stagehands in the city? Yeah, we have, uh, you know, throughout the summer, we have the festivals. And you're exactly right, Dan. You know, it, I, I defined just now a typical concert day at, say, the United Center or the All-State Arena or the Sears Center or the uh, Wind Trust Arena or the uh, Center One at the Pavilion. But, you know, we do everything in, in uh, a lot of television work. Uh, we have shops. We have Broadway the- uh, Theater. We have the Opera. We have... Uh, Orchestra Hall, uh, Serious Music, the Joffrey Ballet, you know, the Allstate Arena. We have uh, the Rosemont Theater, the Chicago Theater. We we do corporate work. We do things over at McCormick Place. We do things in various hotels. So it's it's a wide breadth of work. And typically, it all relates to uh, portable audio and lighting, teleprompter and scenic uh, construction and then operating shows and handling the screens and the video and all of the things that that come into play other than the actual entertainment. Although there are times uh, where some of the entertainment uh, isn't necessarily ticketed. And, uh, so there's that. But it's really, it's a, uh, we, we'll, we'll refer We'll refer somewhere in the neighborhood when it's busy with the outdoor festivals, Lollapalooza, and and some of the the, the shows that we uh, that we put on throughout the the Chicagoland area. Uh, we'll refer anywhere from you know 500 to 1,200 people a day uh, to work, 
and these are meaningful jobs, you know, and really, you know, people will go from one venue to the next servicing these shows and they make a career of it. They call them, you know, gig workers, you know, because they go from one gig to the next. Uh, but, but it keeps folks busy. It's a tremendous career. Uh, we're a collection of, of, of folks that, uh, have a common interest and that's servicing the entertainment industry and uh, our niche is live entertainment uh, we have sister locals that do episodic tv and feature film they're over at Cinespace largely uh, working on an awful lot of product over there and that's another huge economic impact uh, to the city but the live entertainment is our wheelhouse and, and we have uh, we, we typically refer anywhere from you know Four, five hundred to twelve, thirteen hundred a day, uh, depending on what's going on. So, Craig, you're the you're the business manager for Stagehands Local too. How did you first get involved prior to be being in, in this leadership position? What, what what were your first jobs like? Well, it's you know a hundred years ago. Uh, I apprenticed over at Lyric Opera of Chicago, and uh, from there, I, I after about ten years. I went and, and learned audio, and I got involved at the Rosemont Horizon, which is now the Allstate Arena, and was fortunate enough to, to be on that crew, and I worked over at Ravinia Festival and kind of jobbed around, and that's what we call it, jobbing around. You go from uh, one crew to another crew, depending on where the work is, and, and um, you know, it's you, you learn a lot along the way, you know, it's it's really been a privilege. It's just a, a tremendous group of stagehands, and it's uh, it's like a family. It's really like an extended family, and everybody, you work a lot of long hours, and you develop some just uh, some really strong relationships and, and friendships with uh, with folks. Uh, and frankly, you know, we have some terrific relationships with our employers. You know, the amount of time that you put in on some of these events. Uh, to make them successful and the rehearsal and the production time and, and then the, the operation of the show and the loadout and then you're back early the next day. You know, it's very demanding uh, as far as, you know, pressure on yourself and pressure on your family and, you know, and uh, uh, sometimes you don't get as much sleep as you'd like, but it's very rewarding. You know, at the end of the day, to see that you were a part of something and you hear about the the, the show that you're working on, you'll see it advertised on TV or you'll hear it on the radio and you realize you're working at event. And uh, you go to work and you do the best you can. You learn an awful lot. We have a lot of training, um, all kinds of skill set training that we offer. And under the auspice of PHP, Dan, and I know you know what PHP is, that's people helping people. And to the audience out there, I'll say that Dan Katowski is a huge, huge uh PHP guy. He's all about people helping people. His whole history is people helping people. But under the auspice of PHP, if anybody in the audience has a desire to learn a little bit more about the IATSC, that's the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, Local 2, uh, just Google it. Jump on our website and email us if you're interested. We're happy to talk to you. Uh, there's also under IATSC, you can look at the international. You know, you're, you're speaking to me today, I'm local two in Chicago, but there's 355 affiliates throughout North America. And we have all kinds of 
job descriptions and scopes of work uh, that go from stage handing to wardrobe to ticket sellers and treasurers, uh, folks that do video projection, they work on episodic TV, feature films. It's uh, it's really a it's really a, a wide range of opportunity, and these are careers uh, with um, you know with good good earning ability, and uh, and it's all, it's it's a really good opportunity. I've had a ball. I've had a ball. My journey has been incredible, and after 25 years of being in the field, uh, I was. I was honored uh, by the membership when they elected me into the business manager position, and I've been doing this for about 18 years. Well, I say this just from working with you, like how much your commitment is, Craig, and and that of the stagehands to making sure that you know people are able to get every chance to have, like you said, meaningful work to make a decent living wage. And you know, I just think about that, and I want the listeners to be thinking about when you go downtown. I can't emphasize that enough. You know, what would happen if you didn't have all these you know productions out there? These plays, these musicals, concerts, and uh, the, the symphony, the lyric opera, whatever, and uh, um, and, and these conferences, and how important they is to, to uh, not just to the people who are doing the work, but the people who are experiencing what's going on, but just to the um, the vibrancy of our, our city and, and our state, and making sure the economy uh, continues to thrive. You know, I was thinking, we, we had Senator Murphy on here earlier, and you know, she's a deputy majority leader of the Illinois Senate, and I know you have interact uh, a fair amount with uh, legislators and just so what's when you're when you're communicating them you're talking about the issues the challenge that you've that that you face and and others in your field face what are, what are the top priorities that you're communicating to uh, elected officials about and uh, and what are some of the changes that that you need to see happen in order to maintain the type of uh, you know thriving industry uh, that that you have so people can have these these types of meaningful employment opportunities well i I, I believe that there's um there's a, a, a ballot question coming up called the workers' rights bill. And basically it's in support of collective bargaining. And we're we're big advocates of collective bargaining. I think really that's what that's what drives the train relative to to being able to have uh, safety uh, on jobs and to have uh, the, the wages and ability to uh, fend for your, your, your families. And uh, and and I think the the workers the workers' rights bill, uh, definitely, you know, we support that. Uh, you know, the Supreme Court justices, Mary Kay O'Brien, Liz Roquefort, you know, obviously we're, we're in support of, of those justices. Governor Pritzker, uh, Mayor Lightfoot, they've been very good to, to working folks, as has Senate President Harmon. Uh, House Speaker Welch, State Rep. Brad Stevens has been terrific for working families. Uh, State Rep. Jay Hoffman is terrific. You know, Congressman Brad Schneider and Sean Caston, Bill Foster, Senators Duckworth and Durbin, Angie uh, uh, Guerrero-Cuellar have all been supportive of working folks. So it's easy to get behind them. And, you know, you mentioned uh, an economic engine and and having shows. And I really think that that culture and and the arts uh, create... Uh, a destination, and I think it. Mm. I think there's a, a lot of. Uh, I think there's there's a lot of art and a lot of culture in what we do behind the scenes, um, the the shows that we that we present, uh, and and 
and, and work on uh, whether it be uh, serious music or whether it be dance or whether it be concerts or festivals or legitimate theater or Broadway or musicals. You know, all of these things uh, are attractions. And they bring folks into the state of Illinois. They bring people into the Chicagoland area, and frankly, all throughout the state. And I think that's a big driver uh, for the economy. And and so it's it's really it's a it's a big win to have to to have the amount of production we do, and to be able to service this. You know, really, Illinois was one of the. Coming out of this pandemic, where live entertainment was brought to its knees during the pandemic, you know, unemployment, we were about 93% unemployed, and we got such help from the political folks I just mentioned earlier. But coming out of it, we had some attrition. And, and, and I'll tell you that uh, because we, we have such a relationship with, uh, with our employers and, 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 and politically and, and the skill set training, all of it comes together. And we've, we've been able to, to crew virtually every show uh, with a full roster of qualified stagehands to service these shows. And we were one of the few locals throughout North America that was able to consistently do it because we do have um, such an interest and, and, and such a, a strong uh, dynamic here in, uh, in the Chicagoland area of, of, of crew and folks that are, that are willing to, uh, to learn the craft and exercise the craft and do so under a meaningful agreement. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then, um, you know, it sounds to me like there's you have a fair amount of support and out there, which is good. And then the the reality is that, you know, workers rights amendments out there and, and make sure that people come out and vote and, and just really truly understanding you know, what the I think there's a lot of things that people take for granted when they go to work and and all these protections that, that people have when it comes to uh, just uh, ensuring that they're not um, treated uh, unfairly and that they're um, treated in a way that honors work, right, for a, a full day's work uh, and being able to be compensated uh, equitably and all these things that, that you know, like labor unions have, have worked so hard to ensure they're going to happen. So, you know, the stagehands local to what you've been doing. Yeah. Yeah, nothing like it like collective bargaining. That's the only way you're going to maintain what you have and, and be able to, uh, you know, be able to have a seat at the table. And, uh, and and discuss equitably, uh, you know, terms and conditions. So collective bargaining is very important, you know, and it, and it really it, it enables us to keep a safe work environment uh, as well. Because you know we have we have training and uh, uh, ongoing training, and in our industry, our industry. I mean, the, the technology changes so quickly. I mean, it wasn't that long ago uh, that chorus line came in in 1978. And that was the first time there was a, 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 a microprocessor-controlled lighting board. Right, right. And then we got into the 90s, and we got into things like Fan of the Opera and Miss Saigon. And then we got into sophisticated automation systems. Now we have audiences that expect nothing less than, uh, than people flying through the air and pyrotechnics and laser lighting and uh, you know digital audio and intelligent lighting. It's, it's, um, it's all part of... Uh, of the show and it's just it just becomes second nature so all of it ties together and we are just so fortunate to be here in the chicagoland area uh servicing these shows and it's been extremely busy since the reopening and i can't thank uh, our elected officials enough for guiding us through 
uh, the pandemic and providing the support they did. And uh, and it's just good to be it's good to be uh, going, hitting on all eight cylinders again. Well, Craig Carlson from uh, Business Manager from Stagehands uh, Local 2, we appreciate having you on today. Thanks so much for uh, taking some um, some um, part of your, your day to share what goes on. I think it was important for people to hear about just the, like the backstory of uh, Local 2 and, and what's involved in it. And then the next time you go downtown or you go to a show anywhere in the Chicagoland area, you think about you know who's involved in putting it together uh, and making uh, the whole scene look the way it does, right? And, and, and make sure that there's uh, you're having a great experience. And, and, and just, just remember, there, there are people out there, if you're listening, uh, who are working hard and playing by the rules, and they're doing really, really hard work, really hard work. It's tough work, but they care deeply about their jobs. And, uh, and you know, people like uh, Craig and so many uh, those folks who are involved in the stage as local too are, are making sure that that not only does that happen, but the people who are doing that work uh, get compensated in the way that they should for for meaningful, impactful work. So, Craig, thanks so much for being on the show. Really appreciate you, my friend, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks for having me on, Dan. Take care. Yeah, thanks. So it's great to have Craig. I know Lady B, are we supposed to have a little break here? Do we keep going? No, we can go on. All right. So thanks so much for having me. We had Craig Carlson on and uh, uh, from the Stagehands Local 2. We had Laura Murphy, Deputy Majority Leader of the Illinois State Senate. It was great to have people talking about both from a policy perspective, you know, what's, you know, what's happening at the state level, and then from people who are actually who are uh, involved in um, – significant part of the the city's economy, right? We don't often you hear about them and get a chance to uh, just talk about the issues that impact those who are doing that type of work. So if you're out there, you listen, I I know we have some phone calls. I think we had a phone call that's been waiting for a while here. And I think you got a question here. Is it about assault weapons, it looks like? Yeah. All right. WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk, where facts matter. Hi, this is Kirk Bankstead from the Minocqua Brewing Company, and I sell progressive beer like AOC IPA and Bernie Brew, a lovingly irascible Democratic Socialist lager. A percentage of the proceeds of every beer I sell goes to helping keep Wisconsin blue and driving the Trump cult out of our state. Enjoy a great craft beer and help your dysfunctional neighbor to the north get its democracy back. Now available at Arminetti Wine and Spirits in Woodstock, Illinois, and Famous Liquors in Lombard, as well as in Chicago at A&S Wine and Spirits, Back of the Yards, and Grand Western Liquors, Ukrainian Village. Please drink responsibly. Hey, Dan Katowski back here at uh, Driving Home with Patty Vasquez. We, um, we're, we're wrapping up, but we have one opportunity for a question. We just heard from Craig Carlson, business manager from Stagehands Local 2. They, they, they do all the productions in the, in the city. How about that, Lady B? All the plays, the shows, the concerts, the musicals, conferences. So, And then we had Laura Murphy, the deputy majority leader of the Illinois State Senate. So we have a question before we uh, leave uh, for, about assault weapons, and uh, more than happy to take it. Uh, hi, Dan. Uh, I, I was glad to hear that, that Canada finally uh, came to the conclusion they're banning assault weapons in Canada. because they've been ahead of us on health care and a, a myriad of other issues. Well, when you look at this case in uh, St. Louis, well, apparently this person's gun jammed. God knows how many people would have been killed. There were seven, seven security guards in that uh, particular place, if you can imagine that. I can't even imagine it. But uh, they were successful. The Canadians were successful at banning uh, the assault weapon. And uh, 
I think that's the high priority, among other things. But uh, I just wanted to mention that, Dan. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you no, much. thanks so much for calling in. I mean, they took action in 2020 first to, to restrict 1,500 types of assault weapons, and it's grown by another 500. It's up to 2,000 in Canada uh, that they've, uh, they've uh, passed uh, public health and safety measures in terms of restricting ownership on them. And then they're recently looking at another weapon that was used in a crime against uh, two police officers who were shot and killed. Look, I mean, America has been very late in terms of responding to this public health and safety crisis, and obviously we need to do more. And thankfully, I think we have leaders who are uh, willing to step up and do something. And if they're not, we need to hold them accountable, quite frankly. All right, we're going to wrap it up here. So thank you for the opportunity to be on on the Patty Vasquez Show, Driving at Home. This is Dan Katowski. Coming up next is Devil's Advocates with Mike Crute. And uh, looking forward to uh, uh, hearing that um, that show and, and, and what Mike has to share today. Uh, this is me and Lady B. Lady B, it was great to see you today. I'm glad you're you're doing well. It's uh, I'm great. To, thanks for helping me navigate my way uh, through uh, hosting uh, today. And again, we had some great, great guests, I thought. I thought Senator Murphy talked about everything that's going on in the state regarding higher education, access to libraries, you know, making sure that we provide all sorts of supports for small businesses. And then you're looking at these, what these folks who work hard and play by the rules, they're doing all sorts of uh, everything each and every day in the city of Chicago and beyond to make sure that we have the type of experience we're having there, a vibrant, uh, important part of our economy. So take care.